Welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm Petter and this is James. How's it going? And today we're talking about volume 16 of To Your Eternity. Great to be back talking about this again. I, I think the break that's been between this one and our volume 15 discussion was almost just as long as our break between our two most recent Kaguya-sama discussions. It's like almost four months or something like that. Mm. Uh, but but hey, it's great, great to be back. This really has become one of my favorite series like ever, like manga series or, or just fictional works ever to me uh, lately. Um, I think this this current arc is just really really bringing like some new really interesting content and I'm, I'm I adore it so much <laughs> absolutely this volume had a lot of uh kind of out there moments uh uh-huh you know from Misaha's kind of messed up mind right now yeah to what uh freaking Yuki discovered <laughs> like yeah you know, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of little bits and pieces that come that comes together in this volume absolutely it's so exciting and i i guess what one thing i want to say before we get into the character discussions is about just about the the volume's cover art it's just i, I think it's like a really a really good one i think it's probably one of my favorite uh to your eternity volume covers at this point and i feel like well at least the way i'm interpreting the visuals on it is that it's kind of well it's like a visualization of mizuha and slash or the knocker inside her that's like mm. kind of slowly kind of dragging fushi into despair or kind of pulling him into a dark place um mm. which obviously this volume deals with a lot uh, i think the very end of the volume kind of leaves it at, at a bit of a higher note but right but at least the majority of the volume is largely about that and i, I just love how that's kind of represented on the volume cover art it's it's beautiful and it's also a beautiful artwork yeah I haven't looked at it too closely, but I, mm. I'll definitely look at it again. And but it, from what I saw, it looked really nice. Yeah, it really does. I found that when I first read it, I I was a little what, well, not a little. I was a lot confused, like because huh? it was hard to keep track of who is speaking, who is not speaking. Like, is mm. this a knocker? Is this a regular person? You know, it, it was, it was kind of hard to understand exactly all the plot threads that were going on. Um, and not to say it's necessarily deep convoluted intertwined but it was just sometimes hard to follow um because the character you think is dead is actually still alive and <laughs> uh, you know knocker shenanigans but yeah uh the second read through it, it was a lot clearer Absolutely. and maybe it was just my mindset for the first one and because it had been such a long time since i had read to your eternity <laughs> it it took it took me as a shock to see all everything was happening, mm, but then mm. the second read through, I, okay, I, under, I understand. I, I remember again what was happening in the story. This makes a lot more sense. Absolutely, and I, I agree. Uh, I also felt that way on a like in, in a couple of scenes on my first read through, but it's still clear enough that you you'll understand it if you just I guess if yeah. you just think about it a little more and and once you've read it maybe an extra time or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's still still very solid. Although I, I I do still feel a bit of confusion, uh, hmm. or maybe ambiguity is the correct word, ah. with uh, Musaha and her knocker. Just who's who, and like who who's who is in control at what time? You know, it, right? Especially in that last couple chapters, True. it seems like it goes in and out for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can agree there. Yeah. But yeah, we will we'll talk more in depth about that in, in a little bit. Sure. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I absolutely agree. And one really quick thing I'll say before we get into the discussions now is that I have a bit of a cold, so I apologize if I sound different or if I happen to uh, cough or sneeze or anything. I'm gonna do uh, my best to cut out any coughing and stuff like that as as, uh, as best I can. But 
mm-hmm. yeah. J- just letting everyone know that I have a, a pretty annoying cold. It was much worse yesterday. It was really bad yesterday, but it's definitely better today, though. So all is good. But let's start by talking about Fushi. He tells Mizuha in the first chapter in this volume, he says, don't try to control me. And that reminded me of that woman we talked about in volume nine who accused Fushi of trying to control oh. him or, or trying to control her when, when he just tried to give her money. And I think, like, I, I'm not sure exactly how how much related that actually is. However, I think at least Fushi understands that woman better now. Like, he, he has now kind of experienced a, uh, not, not identical, but a at least a somewhat similar kind of feeling, I think. Uh, plus, there is also the parallel to be made that Mizuha might not actually be trying to control Fushi, like, potentially. Um, and, like, if, that, if that's the case, like, you know, because like, in, in the instance in Volume 9, Fushi wasn't actually trying to control the, the woman there. And so, if Mizuha isn't trying to control Fuji, maybe he's just misinterpreting her, then that's, I guess, a similarity to that instance in Volume 9. I, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you think about this at all, or, or am I... Do you think I'm digging too deep? <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I did think it was a funny thing to say, or not maybe not necessarily a funny thing, but hmm. maybe uh, it's something that sticks out, and yeah. I wasn't sure why it stuck out. Um, so, and I guess maybe I should have thought of it more. But uh, I do think that what Misaha wants from Fushi is something that is being forced upon him, and so in that sense, yeah. it can be viewed as controlling. Yes. Um, and I think that. Him saying that to her when she grew up with a controlling mother uh, hmm. could potentially be uh, impactful. But then again, I, I can't remember, was, was Misaha Misaha here or was the knocker driving at that time? I think she had recently gotten back into being Misaha. She changed to Misaha. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, got it. So I think him saying that, I mean, that should resonate. Yeah. Like, isn't that what True. she felt like with her mother? Yeah. You, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Plus, I think... I think it's definitely true that Mizuha is in some way controlling Fushi because I think there's been instances in at least the previous volumes where she has been acting manipulative toward him. And that mm-hmm. is, in, in a sense, her trying to control him. However, mm. I'm not convinced that she's doing it, like, on purpose. Like, it might just be something... Mm. Like, well, sure, it, it's, it's just as bad either way, technically, but it might just be something that she's... Like, well, as you said, like, she's been raised in that kind of an environment with her mother. So maybe mm-hmm. her acting manipulative towards someone else just comes naturally because that's just how she has seen people act toward her, perhaps. Yeah, it, may, maybe she's just copying what or how she was raised. At the same time, I, I think she has a lot of... Anyway, this is supposed to be a Fushi. We're talking about Fushi. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> You're absolutely... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But speaking about Fushi in that scene, though, uh, at, at about that moment, he um, like something I really respect him for in this volume, which happened something that occurred at least on three occasions, was how he has kind of learned finally to put his foot down when it comes to Mizuha. Like mm. in in that first chapter, he smacked her hand away and just really like took a step away from her and kind of just really showed that very clearly. And then there was also the moment pretty shortly after that when he said that he didn't want to wear the clothes that she had bought him. Um, and at the end of the volume, he just kind of left her on the street without settling her problem at that moment, which I think mm-hmm. all, all these kind of show that he he doesn't allow himself to get kind of swooped into her manipulation anymore, um, mm. or at least he has learned 
well, he, he, he has improved, I think, in that, at the very least. Um, that said, though, of course, he's still very much determined to help her, which is awesome. Yeah, I agree, especially in those moments where he kind of just realizes, wow, you're really far gone, but I'm, I'm not going to give up. That's okay. I'm going to keep, mm. I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I respect that in him. Even when it seems like, you know, I mean, he has, he has a few allies who are very much willing to keep, to keep trying, but it does, it does feel like at some point that is is this even the right thing to be doing? (laughs) (laughs) There is that great kind of, uh, moral conflict here that is unique for this story, uh, or this situation at least. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually on that, I, I, I liked how it was he was really conflicted on whether killing the knockers was the right thing to do. He yeah. had to go to Bon and just say, am I doing the right thing? Like, should we just coexist with them? And, you mm. know, and it, it took him a while to come to an, to a conclusion that, you know, or, I mean, I don't think he's quite reached the conclusion. He's still thinking of how he wants to do it, but he's, right. he's has the resolve to get it done. Like he, he, he wants to, create a world without knockers yes he still wants that but i like that the kind of conflict he had yeah absolutely i i love it too because it's such a contrast to what kind of what the story has been before like the modern era like i'm really enjoying like his struggle with the knockers since it's like it's not like that kind of epic fantasy struggle that he had like in the renry lark and and mm-hmm. well before that too it's like a it's almost like a psychological thriller now in a way right uh like mm-hmm. or at least more so than before mm-hmm. and yeah it's just really interesting and I think gives way for a lot of thought-provoking moments and stuff like that. So I, I, I absolutely love it. And if, but, but talk about what you were saying before and how, how he's kind of, well, kind of come to terms with, or kind of, well, he has kind of reaffirmed his, his view on the knockers. I think that was made especially clear in his conversation with Satoru or well, mm-hmm. with the, well, the beholder. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what do you think is the better thing to call him now, by the way, the beholder or Satoru? The Beholder Satoru. Yeah. Well, okay. There we have it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> or Satoru the, the Beholder. That works hmm. too. <laughs> oh, hmm. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just really enjoying the, the like thematic changes, I guess, that, that this arc is bringing. Yeah. And it makes me wonder what the whole message, at least what part of the message Oimus, I guess, trying to convey here. Not that, not that. When you read it, you when you create a story, you are trying to get out a message. But to me, it feels like the experience that all these people are going through, the the pains mm. uh, that they're going through. I think Fushi and the rest of the and the rest of the people are learning that pain is part of life. Yeah. It's part of who we are. It's it's an emotion that that makes us who we are. Yeah, and I think just trying to take away that pain is it makes us less human. Um, and so perhaps that's the message that she's trying to get through that. And the knockers say that Fushi hates pain, but maybe he, maybe Fushi will come to the understanding that pain is necessary, but not, mm. it's not so much that, and I'm trying, I don't want to make it sound like, oh yes, we should be terrible people to one each other or whatever, but it, it's no. just painful things happen. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, and to try to end all that by you know killing yourself is not the way to go about it. And I, I think Fushi understands that, 
but maybe he comes to a greater appreciation of of the things you we can learn from pain hmm. um if you know we take the correct steps to improve and seek help and whatnot absolutely and like on that bonchin had a very very good quote in this book where he said even if it pains an individual to live that life along with that pain is still one's own no one else should be the stand-in for that one must acknowledge all that one feels to fully be affirmed in one's own existence hmm. which i think i think kind of sums up at least partially what this arc is trying to convey like as, as like well, as far as like a message goes, but because I think I think there is that message to to find in this arc, because as you said, like there are a lot of people with various kinds of men- mental illnesses mm-hmm. that that we meet in in this in this arc here, and it's just kind of how how do we deal with that and how how do we live with that? Right. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's really important in the physical books, at least. Um, every book I think since this arc began have had like a warning about like warning sensitive uh, readers about um well suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts and stuff being brought up in the in the volumes as as well as like uh, phone numbers to to like helplines and stuff like that um it's heavy material it really is it, it really is but it's i th- i think oima deals with it really well like the messages that she conveys through the story are just really good messages and i think well i hope that it can help people that maybe mm. go through things like this I have more to say on that when we get to a, a character later on, if that's okay. Absolutely, for sure. So yeah, more on Fushi. I'm glad he remembers to live with the people who care for him at the end. Yes, uh, yeah, I was so happy. <laughs> you know, he, he obviously he was missing them. But for the past two or three volumes, he's just kind of been fighting it. He's like, no, I, I, can't, I can't let them... I mean, I'm not saying he's going to start expressing himself or or well telling him about his fears about the knockers but at least he's going to be there with him and enjoy his life in that way mm-hmm. um so i i'm excited for that very very excited and actually on that and also what we were talking about a little like right before that um the teacher guy he he said something that i thought was very true and i, I think also just very important for for everyone kind of to keep in mind he said don't forget there are people worrying about you even if they don't say so. And he was saying that technically to Funa, or because that's who he thought he was talking to. Right. But it's, it, I think it was also good for Fushi here because it's, um, well, I, at least I hope that it, or, well, no, I think that it reminded him of his friends that, that, do, that do deeply care about him and that actually want to help him if they just, you know, if he just gives them the chance. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, hoping, hoping to see that happen in the next volume. Absolutely. Ah, next volume. It's going to be a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it will. But hey, it, it'll be worth it. Oh, yeah, totally. I was a little upset that he slapped Tonari's hand, but he, he kind of is like, he was in a the mindset where he can't let, he can't let the, uh, the knockers ruin their perfect life or whatever. So mm. I get it, but it was like, come on. Like, she's trying to help. I was just kind of like, ah, oh, that wasn't cool, but I, yeah. I understand. Right. No, no, I, I definitely agree there. It was it was a sad moment because she really put effort into trying to reach out to him. Right. Yeah. Oh, well. And then lastly, when he becomes Funa and just, just hands out the hair ties, the whole chapter was really silly because <laughs> when you're first reading it, you're not quite sure who... Honestly, I, I was very confused about the 
Funa. Like I was like, who, who exactly is this? <laughs> and there was a moment where it was a close up on Funa's face. It's like that kind of looks like Fushi. Yeah, yeah. And then the chapter was like, oh my gosh, that was Fushi. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> True. I, I actually, I, I was pretty sure it was Fushi from the beginning since ah. we knew that Funa's not like the, the knocker in Funa had been killed, so it couldn't have been the knocker. Funa. Right. Like the, like... But that, that's why I was so confused. I just, I just didn't understand what was going on. Fair, uh, you know, like yeah. even, even when Funa appeared, I was, that, I just added to more of my confusion. But we'll, we'll get to that later. Right, right. Um, I just thought it was funny that he had, he was handing out the hair ties, and I guess in the end it kind of worked out, and perhaps Funa will begin to have a good friendship again, like her friend, at least with that one friend. Yeah, and I hope that they will all become better people. <laughs> her her yeah. friend, like her her ex friends, and herself as well, because apparently, apparently, they've all been kind of, like at least, well, maybe maybe not the coolest people in school. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the last thing I have on Fushi is really just a gag with the computer. <laughs> where he, oh, it, he threw great. the whole computer screen away <laughs> just to get rid of the photos. <laughs> but it made me wonder though, actually, if that actually got rid of the photos because he only threw the screen away. Because I think in the panel where we see in the in the computer room, I think that you can see like the actual computer beneath the desk. Oh, uh, I thought uh, it was a two in one. Right. I mean, like but, I also thought about that. It could have been, but I thought mm-hmm. I saw something that looked like a computer beneath the desk there. And if that's the case, then obviously he wouldn't have gotten rid of the photos. So. And to be fair, I am very curious about what that folder was that you wanted deleted. I mean, I I kind of have a guess. But it would be great if that plot point comes back, mm. you know, mm. and maybe that, maybe that helps Mizuha and Izumi um, fix their broken relationship. True, true. Um, do you think Fushi could replicate the computer? Like, let's say it was a two for one. Could he just bring it back, memory yeah. and all? I think so. Hmm. I'm I'm gonna say yes because that that would just be more fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I think. No, no, no. I mean, I think it would also be funny if the PC was actually, you know, below. It was, it was still there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, True. I think that'd be pretty funny too. It's like, oh, goofball. But yeah, it would make also sense. Wait, it would also make sense. There you go. Mm. <laughs> uh, he was able to just automatically, uh, you know, bring back the PC. Right. And without, like, still without understanding how it works, but still, like, yeah. it's a perfect replica anyway. <laughs> like, I, I could, I definitely could see that being the case potentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, is that all on Fushi? Yep. Then let's move on to Mizuha. So yeah, the poor girl is just so confused and so lost, and like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, she's a bit creepy at times, but I just can't help but feel for her so much. Like, especially in that first chapter uh, in this volume yeah. where, where, like, she, like, right after she came back uh, from the knocker having been in control, and she, well, as we talked about her reaching out to Fushi and getting her hand slapped away, like, mm-hmm. obviously Fushi did that kind of out of fear, because he didn't know what was, like, who, who he was talking to and, like, who was in control and all of that. But for Mizuha, like, just from her perspective, that must just be so confusing and, and, and heartbreaking, kind of. Mm. And, and it was. Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. It was, it was basically like, I guess in her mind, her crush rejecting her, mm-hmm. which, you know, <laughs> in regular middle school, she's she's in middle school, right? Or is it high school? Middle school? 
I, I just checked the character index and it says that she's a second year junior high school student. So that's so not third year, but, but second year. Because I remember them saying, oh, the first years are really happy you gave you the hair ties. Right. Um, True. I was like, well, they definitely don't look like high schoolers. Anyway, True. Um, <laughs> the typical kind of romantic drama that mm. may, may happen in that age, but you're dealing with a a very supernatural being. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting concept, obviously. But anyway, going back to your first point about how I feel, Mamizuha, you know, in the previous volumes, I was very, or is much more sympathetic to her. And I'm still sympathetic to her to a degree because it's really messed up life that she's living in the whole situation. Mm. Um, it, you know, it's just kind of the curse of, you know, the Hayase curse in a way. Yeah. But at the same time, I just, you know, I get a lot of red flags from her. And I mean, obviously, I mean, they're right, right here. She's messed up. Like, there's a lot of issues. Yeah. And this volume in particular, it just kind of really shined to me. Now, I, I really like her character. And I think it's a, it's a fascinating character just from a, uh, you know, a literary perspective. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, as a person, I'm just, I'm very wary <laughs> no understandable you know mm. but uh and, and some of it is i think it's kind of frustrating because she instead of trying to address her pain she's just trying to cover up with a band-aid you know like just like with cold medicine and it rubs me the wrong way but i i understand that that's the point she has to learn this eventually but, you know, it, it just frustrates me that she's letting herself stay in this position. Yeah. Like, even after she learns the whole thing about the knockers. Right. As she, like, at the, by at the end of this book, she's well aware of all of that. But she right. still kind of doesn't really mind it. And as you said, like, she views, she views it as, as cold medicine. But I feel like that, well, related to what I said earlier, like, with the whole controlling people thing, mm -hmm. Mizuha says, like, kind of near the end of the the book that she wouldn't mind being completely controlled by fushi to me that made it sound like she was kind of admitting to the knockers controlling her um in in some way like it, it is like it's a bigger deal than she made it out to be earlier in that scene mm -hmm. like it's it's you know like the knockers do have a greater effect on her than just cold medicine which by the way i need some right now but anyway <laughs> uh no it's like yeah i i I, I don't know. I I I I feel like it might be a bit of a stretch. Like that the fact that well, she she basically wants to be controlled by Fushi. Her saying that, or like she even says, completely controlled by Fushi, or she says she wouldn't mind it. I guess to be precise, um, as if he would be a substitute for the knockers controlling her. Essentially, is kind of how I'm reading her there, and that that makes it seem like they are controlling her more than she wants to admit. Perhaps. What do you think? Maybe I I think. I see it as replacing her current prescription for a new one, one that she wants more. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, the knockers can give her the the diluted pain uh, that that she wants, but in her mind, Fushi would be the you know ultimate uh, replacement, you know, the the ultimate um, anesthetic. Yeah. But yeah. as far as the controlling aspect. You know, part of me wonder if that was just like some strange sexual fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I mean, 
I don't know. There, there is, there was a lot of sexual tension in that one scene, and I guess the mm. knocker was doing it. But it, that was another part where it, it kind of went back and forth between the knocker and her. It was hard to tell. Regardless, exactly. yeah, it was hard to say. Yeah, okay, hard to tell where who right. was in control. Like, um, yeah. But I, I mean, I think there's no denying that she would rather, she would rather have Fushi be the one that eases her pain than the knockers. Mm. But I, I also don't think that she particularly cares that they are quote unquote using her. No, it doesn't um, seem that way. Yeah, like it works out for her. Right. I guess is what her thinking is. Yeah. She's poisoned by the lie they have created. Mm-hmm. And I understand why she wants to keep living the lie, but it, it can't yeah. be good for her in the end. Exactly. Like, yeah. It, it seems it seems that it, it just will only worsen her mental state. At least yeah. that's what it feels like by the end of this volume. Like she's just mm-hmm. spiraling at this point. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not like a permanent solution. It's rather like it's a temporary solution to a permanent problem. That's not going to fix itself. Like she's just making to... it worse. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like over time, it definitely is getting worse. And I think a similar thing is like, like a similar kind of lie that she more like kind of embraces is about her mother. Like where she chooses yeah. her fake mother over her real one, even Absolutely. though I she think it's the knows. Biggest one. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's just like that was just a really, really sad situation. I thought, understanding that, like not just in general, but also like also seeing her mother's uh, fi there, also witnessing that, uh, which was also just like kind of added to the sadness. Mm-hmm. I mean, was her mom terrible? Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. We we talked about this before, mm-hmm. but again. It's just, it's not great to keep living this lie, especially when you know for a fact that these are not real people. You know, these are more or less, you know, puppets. Mm-hmm. And, or at least her mom is. And yeah, it it's frustrating to see. Um, and, and I hope that Mizuha eventually comes to the awakening that this can't be right. Uh-huh. I, it would be really disappointing I mean, I guess it could be pretty tragic, but it'd be disappointing if she ends up dying at some point in order to keep the lie from going away, you know? Ooh, like, oh, oh my God. I don't think the story will go there, but if you wanted to tell a tragic story, that could be one way. I know death is such a you know, cop-out, but I don't know. I think that'd be kind of tragic. I feel like that would defeat the purpose of the message kind of in uh, right in the story right now i agree I if agree. that happened like it would be too sad like 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 th- there's a difference between sad and like incredibly just hopelessly sad i think that would be too much mm-hmm. uh, but anyway by the end of this volume she kisses hana and implies that she has romantic feelings for her uh which yeah <laughs> was interesting like obviously it's been it's it seems to have been made pretty clear that she has feelings for fushi obviously um, but we did talk about the potential of this ship, I think, back in right. uh, Volume 13 discussion. Um, yeah. Uh, Mizuha Hana shippers rejoice? Maybe? Maybe? I, or know, maybe, probably not, I actually. Mean, I, <laughs> I, hope, I hope people... Yeah, right? I hope people take take this moment and don't run with it as, oh, my ship is real, or something like, you know? Because it's really not healthy what happens. And, and obviously, yeah, mm. what happens next is, she, you know, just tears her down basically yeah friendship is in question that made it even more confusing like the whole right scene i you know 
at this point, and I'm not saying I wouldn't like support it or anything like that. I, I'm still have an open mind because I'm trying to figure out exactly where the a relationship could be. Mm-hmm. But Mizaha's on her right mind, and yeah, it just it doesn't seem to me uh, at all genuine. Yeah, it's it's just it just came so out of the blue, first of all, and then mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess, I guess it's possible to be crushing on multiple people at once. Sure. True. But still, True. it's like, I don't know. Well, and to be fair, maybe maybe the crush was there before Fushi came along. Right. Um, we're not exactly sure about that. But then what about the whole Yuki thing? Was that, are we just putting that off to the side? Was that, they're, they're kind of, they kind of have that odd, the, I guess, interaction in previous volumes was that nothing i i I don't know i don't know i mean it's also the possibility that a lot of the stuff previously in the story before we learned about the knocker in her her, could have been her knocker saying things gosh like like when she said i think it was in volume 13 she said to hana that her crush was somebody in their club which kind of narrowed it down to either yuki or hana and i think Mm -hmm. we talked about that then but Mm-hmm. The, the, the there is still the possibility that that might have just been something that the knocker made up to kind of I don't know to make it exciting for Hana or something I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's the thing. Like, do you do you think? Well, I guess we'll save it when we talk about Hana. We'll wait a bit. But okay. I, I guess I'll just I guess I'll just say that it feels like this girl has a lot of sexual tension. <laughs> like she has a lot of mm. somewhat sexual desires. Uh, I mean, because she. I guess it was the knocker that was getting really close on Fushi. Well, we can't say for sure. It's very possible, I think, that it might have actually been Mizuha. Either way, it does It does feel like that she has a lot of pent-up frustration and maybe she's trying to get that out uh, mm. in some sort of sexual way. But, and, 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 well, and maybe that translated into what she did to Hana. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely a possibility. Do we know for sure that Mizuha was the one that said those terrible things to Hana? Does she really, truly right. believe all those things? Exactly. I I don't know. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. <laughs> yeah, she's just really... Like, like, sure, the knocker is messing her up to a big extent, of course. But I think there's also, like, more deeply rooted uh, just mental issues that just by themselves are a really big part of her struggle as well, I think. So it's like, it's a combination of two very major things on her mind right now. And just, it really is messing her up. Yeah. Anything more on her? Nope. All right, then let's talk about her knocker. And I guess the knockers in general, but let's start by talking about her knocker. Okay. I thought it was really interesting to find out that the knocker in her arm is... This is actually the same one that was in Hayase and in all of Hayase's descendants yeah. that Fushi, that Fushi wow. met. Uh, but also to learn that it had been in paradise after it died with Kahaku and then came back mm-hmm. to go inside of Misoha. So like between Kahaku and Misoha, no one had that knocker in their arm. Uh, so I, I, yeah, th- that was probably my like the thing about that knocker specifically that I thought was the most interesting that we learned in this book. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Because mm. literally jumped to the fire. How it would survive all those years is, is in, in, you know, unfathomable, really. Well, I guess we're talking about a fantasy <laughs> kind of show. But um, but I, I think it makes sense that 
it would come back in that way. Although, you know, it brought up like reincarnation. I was able to keep my memories. It's like, oh, plot armor. No, but, uh, <laughs> true. Actually, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, uh, it makes sense that that knocker would come back. It seems that knocker in particular is very passionate, very mm. stalwartworth. <laughs> yeah, and it, it seems to have followers, like people that kind of cheer it on, or like knockers, I should say, that cheer it on, and yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, you know. It makes you wonder if there could be potentially anybody else pulling the strings like from Paradise, but it seems to imply that they're all just similar thinkers and this knocker in yeah. particular, after its years of using Hayase's lines, her descendants has just gained a lot of notoriety and just has impre- impressed the other knockers so now they mm. kind of look to it as a leader i guess right that makes it even more scary <laughs> so interesting yeah you know there was that panel where the knockers were up in paradise but they were in in their like kind of you know plant-ish form the one that is edible i guess <laughs> yeah it, it's like wow i what is that <laughs> what is that substance and how are they living in this parrot theoretical paradise i don't know it's it's really uh hard and confusing to think about so i'm not going to do that but well maybe it'll ex- be explained one day actually a th- like a thought came to mind if the knockers can leave paradise just like that and just come back mm-hmm. to, to to the physical world uh shouldn't that also mean that people who have gone to paradise should be able to do that too because they're all five after all and we i think it was established in the previous book that all five are equal so if mm-hmm. if knocker fies can leave paradise and go back, then shouldn't also human fies be able to do that? Um, well, I think knocker fies are technically human. Well, you know, right, like fie like, fie is the same as fie. So, but like right, right. that, like it's always it's it's all the same. But that, then the thought came, like I, I thought that perhaps the only way for a fie to leave paradise is in the form of a knocker. I think that's mm-hmm. at least at this point seems relatively safe to say. Um, I think that yeah. But then I figured that maybe that is the like the way um, for uh, for a knocker to be created. Maybe all knockers come from paradise, um, which might also mean that the knockers, like that, all knockers used to be people or animals, I guess. But like something that wasn't initially a knocker, or like something that wasn't initially opposing life at some point in in, the, in their past before returning you know from paradise as knockers and mm-hmm. i think i think when whenever it was like volume nine or ten whenever it happened when we when we learned that the knockers are fine uh i had a like my, my speculation was basically that that all the knockers used to be a living thing that wasn't the knocker before becoming a knocker uh obviously i i don't think it's confirmed yet but i think it's far more possible now than it was back then. That all of them used to be living things that went to paradise and then came back to Earth as knockers. I mean, I think that's a strong possibility. Mm. I mean, it's hard hard to say. I think they're, I think they're, paradise is just the place where Phi reside, whether they've been to Earth or not. But I think it would make sense for Phi to have gone to Earth to come back and be like, uh, no, that was terrible, and then just you know become knockers instead. 
Right, exactly. Like to have that experience and in order to have a strong opinion makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Then again, I, I have no idea. Um, no, yeah, it, it's, it's not completely clear yet. <laughs> Last time, I think we speculated about the knockers kind of, or at least a lot of the knockers, maybe all, whatever, uh, working to help Mizuha in various ways. And I think we got that pretty much confirmed in this volume. Uh, so that guy in the last book who, you know, all of his teeth dropped out and he, he like a lot of his bones were broken overnight. I think it's mm-hmm. pretty safe to say at this point that that was the doing of the knockers in order to, well, in their way, assist Mizuha, I suppose. Yes. Huh. It, well, you know, and another another thing is the fact that it was the knocker who killed Izumi. Um, the knocker co- took control yes. mm. and killed her. Uh, I think that was something that we kind of did, we weren't exactly sure on, and I, I had theorized among other things that that was one of the possibilities. Uh-huh. But that turned out to be true. Yes. But uh, again, like I had guessed like a few other things, so it was fair. It was kind fair. of like <laughs> you guess enough times, you'll get one of them right. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it just makes more sense that the knocker would have done that versus Mizuha. Um, although Mizuha at this point, I I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't put a pastor at this point. Yeah, um, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, it's it's messed up that the knockers can just take control of people, take control of their entire lives, mm-hmm. and people be practically unaware of it. Yeah, and actually, something that's kind of related to that, I think, is and this is a thought that I've had since before this volume came out. But it's um, well, I, I guess I, I got the thought at some point after we recorded our pre uh, our previous discussion, so that's why it hasn't been recorded. It's basically that. The knockers infesting humans might be a metaphor for mental illness. Um, At least Mm. I could see that as being the intention, at least on some level. And how that is something that, you know, a lot of people that suffer from any kind of mental illness uh, often were not aware of it, perhaps. Like, I think that's a common thing, sadly. So that's like one similarity with that. And also, I mean, mean, they, they do make their lives bad even though at 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 the surface level it kind of they they're kind of there to help out like they kind of improve it but ultimately and as we talked about before like in the long run it definitely doesn't seem to be a good thing um so yeah i think that's a good or a, a potential parallel like, mm. i yeah i could definitely see it uh, my last thing on the knockers was that um well before funa's knocker was was killed by by Satoru, seeing her buy the drink from the grocery store and just really enjoying that drink by herself, I thought was really interesting because she wasn't like she didn't need to put up an act in that scene. There wasn't anyone around when she was enjoying her drink and when she like even like made a comment about how like, good it was and how she wanted to buy another one again sometime. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of makes me think that well maybe like I guess sure. Just the fact alone that they're taking over somebody else's body, that's bad in, in and of itself. But perhaps there is still hope for some knockers, that maybe not all knockers are just this evil thing, that maybe some actually are more human-like in their way of being or living, kind of, perhaps. I see it as what the Beholder Sad- uh, <laughs> Satoru said, <laughs> um, in that they're... A- like a bunch of kids who are playing with a doll. Ah, mm, and so point. they're experiencing certain things, and you know, 
engaging in, in life as as a doll, as you know, as they play, play house or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm totally. Yeah, that that is a really good point. I think that's probably the case actually. Now that you mention it, but I guess you can never because definitely when the the volume was it last? No, 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 I think it was it was yeah, the last volume of the volume before the way it ended um, with Mamori's or Mimori's uh, knocker dying. Uh, I I had wondered if yeah there were especially Funa's knocker were there knockers that had more human like quality like you know are they more benevolent benevolent than i thought Mm. um but i think that that same chapter or that you were just talking about kind of proves that that's not that's not the case (laughs) yeah well yeah true that that she's not benevolent like definitely definitely uh trying to do something nefarious. <laughs> yeah. Although she is going after, like, she she wasn't trying to kill any humans there, technically. I, I mean, still killing someone. Killing the Beholder. Yes, it's, it's terrible. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's trying to be human. True. That, that That's true. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree. She absolutely is evil. But, but that's the thing. Like, a few volumes ago, I was, I was like, well, well, maybe, maybe not. Like, I don't know. But now I'm kind of mm. like, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that the big difference is that I think it was like rather than thinking of Funa's knocker as gooder uh, than Mimori's, is rather that Mimori's knocker is badder uh, <laughs> than uh, Funa's. Well, I, I guess it's more. I, I think it's more so that that knocker went out a lot, like went back to like the old ways of just mm-hmm. you know harassing oh, yeah. people. But true. But according to Mizuha's knocker is like they're they're trying to change that. We're doing a different approach, mm-hmm. approach more coexisting, and and I guess she wanted to keep everybody in line in that in that kind of sense. But yeah. So the guardian cult, that whole thing, is disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because Mimori brings in a body, like an entire body of Fushi. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where she got that from. I remember she had bits and pieces of him, but did she? I thought find a body as well. My, uh, well, well, when I saw that, um, I thought that she had gotten her hands on the body that Fushi left during one of the their encounters in the previous volume. Ah, I forgot about that. I think when they were when they were fighting at the school, I th- I'm pretty sure Fushi left a body that was taken in like by an ambulance or something because obviously people thought it was someone who was unconscious. Um, yeah. And I think I think somehow she was able to get her hands on that. Is my thinking at least? Oh, so that's so, okay. So we never saw her take it. No, no, I don't think we so ever we're saw. We're just assuming it. We saw we saw her taking like uh, whatever. What was it like an arm or and and like the wolf tail or something like that? Right, I remember that. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, but we never saw her take the full body. But I'm I'm gonna think that she somehow got her hands on that other body that he left behind. Okay. I think. And so their goal with all this is trying to figure out where his life resides. Is that? Yeah. Is that why they want the body? That might be it, or yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Mm. And and why specifically are they trying to find where where his life resides? So they can kill him, I guess, permanently. Yeah, I mean that that's what that's what Yuki's um, hypothesizing, and I, I think mm. he's right. I think so too. Yeah. So the thoughts that the knockers could potentially be good. I after this volume, I yeah, nope. Out the drain. I, yeah, no. <laughs> they are I'm, clearly, I'm... you know, trying to ruin this world to to match their vision, and Fushi's not part of it. Uh huh. 
Yeah, I totally agree. So when knockers are in charge, they heal. Uh, so it so it's not that the knocker is there and it heals the the pain for them. It it takes control and heals. So if mm. someone is bleeding and that and it it doesn't heal automatically, then that means the knocker is not there. Right. Or vice versa, which is I guess how it went with Mizaha as an as an example when she was cooking went up. Exactly. Um, yeah. Then the last thing is that we got the terms for carrier half merged and fully merged. Exactly. Right. Of, uh, knockers. Yeah. Some some good terms to know at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all I got. Cool. Me too. Then let's move on to Izumi then, and I well obviously it was really great to get her backstory here and absolutely and and thanks to that we're obviously able to understand her far better and it's actually kind of similar to Shoko's mother uh, in Yoshitoki Oima's other manga A Silent Voice. Uh, not, the, the backstory itself isn't similar, but the fact that we we get to understand the perspective and kind of the history of a mother who had well who had appeared to be very very bad person. Uh, hmm. By the way, quick little tangent there. I I think in one of our previous discussions, uh, somewhere in the middle, I guess, I think we or I mentioned that we had had plans on covering a silent voice on the podcast eventually. However, that's not really the case anymore at least not at this point since i guess our new focus has been to to kind of focus on manga that are currently ongoing so that we can catch up with them and then once we are caught up with them we cover a new volume whenever a new one releases so uh, and and seeing as a silent voice has been over for quite a while it's not really in the plans right now at the very least but anyway uh back on izumi uh yeah just the whole cult stuff that we talked about just really kind of creeps me out yeah um, and I felt really sorry for her, like, like not just her dad, like, d- dreadful father, and also, like, her husband, who was just lying to her and acting really... That was really a gut-check moment. Uh-huh. Just, I, uh, and she, she, she must have felt so alone, and, like, I'm sure she did. And that was, obviously, I, I, I definitely felt sorry for her, even though I, I'm not forgiving her later actions in life, but still, it's just... No. A terrible life that she led, of course. I mean, Yoshitoki Oima... She's really good at making you sympathize for the terrible mother. <laughs> she is. She really is. <laughs> um, and I, I think people deserve a chance to change and to see the error of the ways and, and try to. And look, sometimes it's, it doesn't work out in real life, mm. but sometimes it does. Sometimes people really do change for the better. And I think that's our dream is yeah. the people that we care for, particularly people that are part of our family, mm. can change and become better. Yeah. Um, and maybe step by step. But that that's that's what you want for Izumi and and her uh, family. I would hope so. Mm-hmm. But you you mentioned that the father. Uh, I remember one of my strange theories was that he was like not loyal or cheating on her. Uh, <laughs> obviously, that's totally not not the case. But he was dishonest. Like he, yeah, yeah, he was absolutely. There was lying. something <laughs> sketchy about him. <laughs> uh-huh. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I, I I did not see that one coming. To me, he just seemed like not that's yeah. Like mm-hmm. in my mind, I thought he was just going to be a character that was kind of going to be in the background, like not anything specific. But and obviously, he might still just be more a background character. Yeah, but yeah. but right. still, to have that, well, to to know that about him just really ugh makes me hate him. <laughs> Uh, although he he was also not purely bad because he 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 suggested that they give Mizuha more time to make friends and less time, you know, for training at her various things. So you know that was obviously a good suggestion, even though he, I guess, has other terrible views. Not to say that I think he's a terrible person, but 
you know, the the brainwashing is real and I just it is disturbing that you would use a child like that in that way. And and obviously mm-hmm. what Mizaha or excuse me, what Izumi ended up doing was you know, basically um exactly what the cult would have done anyway. So it's kind of, it's kind of sad to see that her fall into that mm. whole, uh, I guess, life or lifestyle trap, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I mean, again, I, I think the, the cult would have done something similar anyway. True. Maybe not to the extreme that Mizuha took, or excuse me, Izumi took it, Mm-mm. but still it's, yeah. It's yeah. just a terrible situation for that poor child. Really is, really is. But you know, something that I thought was pretty interesting is that Izumi, like what we learn about her in this volume, while she definitely was, is you know we still think of her as a bad mother in 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 a lot of ways. She apparently isn't quite as bad, I guess, uh, as we thought in volume thirteen when we had just started to get to know her. Uh, for mm-hmm. for the two reasons that we learn related to the knocker taking control of her, was that how, you know, she she had memory losses and stuff, and right. like it it wasn't actually that as we I think we read it in volume thirteen mm-hmm. that she she I guess just didn't care enough about her daughter, uh, and that's why she didn't remember all all of all of the things that that wasn't actually the case she actually had memory gaps because the knocker took control from time to time, and the other thing about well taking photos of of her daughter's right. like achievements and stuff like that also had a good reason behind it so at least it's good to know that so i guess she's slightly better than what we thought back then but still obviously not a like far from an ideal mother still but yeah no totally but those picture taking it gave it to me it gave it a really a bad impression you yeah know, i thought she was very hungry for the social media attention mm. that wasn't the case it, it seemed mm. you know it seems like she was just trying to remember. Yeah. And yeah, I I I appreciated that fact. I I was very um I felt like uh, I felt bad that I had treated her or thought thought bad of her mm. uh at 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 the time. Um not to say that I think she was okay. I, she definitely went too far and was a bad terrible mother for her. But, you know, it, it goes to show that Sometimes we don't understand the full picture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great example of the, of of that. I really, I really hope she doesn't give up on Mizuha because yeah, when you see her in the moment watching Mizuha just accept and embrace the fake Izumi, mm. it is just gut wrenching. Yeah, just the tears streaming down her face, mm-hmm. uh, and then later on in the diner, she's just I don't, I don't care anymore. Like. Yeah. That there's no point. She doesn't want it. Uh and it it does kind of it, it it made me feel despair. Like no, like you can't give up. Like Yeah. Don't let don't end it, let it end this way. Um Yeah. So I, I hope I hope she doesn't go on to paradise like like she says. I, I hope she comes back. Right. Yeah, yeah, I really hope so too. Because at the end of or at like the last we saw of her in this book was that she said thank you. I'll think about it. And then she just wandered off kind of laughing to herself. And I, I, I guess I dreaded a bit like the thought of that being her walk, like going to paradise right there. I hope, really hope that wasn't the case, but I, 
could maybe slightly see it potentially as as uh, a thing. I ultimately, although I'm I'm choosing to think that she wasn't. But what what do you think about that scene? Oh, I, it it could be interpreted that yeah, she moves on to paradise from there. Uh huh. I don't want that to be the case though. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I really don't, because <laughs> it it would just feel so sad for her. And yeah, I I, I know you have the consequences of your actions understand that and i feel like she is already experiencing those consequences so surely she can get the opportunity to change and, and i know it, it all it all depends on if i think izumi would be willing to forgive um mizaha for choosing the fake mama for her yeah or I, I she should she should be able to forgive that at least i think it's just can mizaha get to the point where she can forgive her mother yeah for the way she raised her i think that's a harder you know? question or like a bigger question. Yeah. Bigger question. That that's basically what is gonna come down to. Mm. Ho- hopefully, the next volume will give some answers to this. Yeah. Anything more on Izumi? Nope. Then moving on to Tonari, we get some more fuel for the Tonari Fushi shippers. Well, for, for us, Ship I guess. Ship is heating up. <laughs> Ship is heating up. Yes. Well, I th- especially from Tonari's side, I think. Um, yeah. Well, like we mostly. Right. Yeah. Definitely, mostly, and like, yeah, yeah, Maybe all <laughs> her. True, yeah, yeah, I guess you're completely right. Yeah, from her, from her side, we we definitely see that, uh, like some feelings are, for sure, starting to develop or continuing to develop, perhaps. Man, she's like, she's blaming her feelings on being a kid again. It's like, girl, <laughs> don't be acting like you were blushing 500 years ago. <laughs> you know, right? Like, come on. But no, it, it's definitely one of those relationships i want to see grow yeah mm. i can get behind it if um it turns out to be a thing mm. but obviously fushi is the, the factor here you know is he ever gonna understand what love is like he still doesn't understand what it is yeah you know? yeah i i hope that yeah. like maybe not in this arc but maybe like the mm-hmm. like well in, in some future arc i i would love to see that explored more again i mean because it was explored back in like well like the bonjean era like um, right, but hasn't really been touched on well, since then. And, and honestly, no, no, no. It it was touched on just a couple of volumes ago. Oh, actually, he's like, yes, I want right. to know what love is. Like, teach me what it be my teacher. And I and I really thought that we were gonna go through kind of a, a love arc, but yeah, we've definitely gone away from that. That yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I don't know why I said we hadn't seen that since then. You're absolutely right. We totally have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I yeah, I, I guess. I'm probably not expecting it right here in the story, but I'm definitely probably expecting it later in the story. And I think I think the Fushi Tonari ship would be really sweet, especially since she's been around for so long. Yeah. Granted, we do see Mizuha a few times and probably her knocker too express or just say, you know, I love you to Fushi, you know, mm. commanding him to love her. So there is that still that theme of love, yeah, happening. They're just they're just there's no understanding happening or or no one at least from Fuji's point of view, there isn't a, you know, a lesson to be learned quite yet. True. But I hope eventually it gets to that point. For sure. He's like, this is what love is, and then maybe <laughs> maybe that's he's the one who teaches Mizaha. That could be interesting. Ooh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because well, yeah, because that's also interesting. And not romantically with, speaking, but uh, oh yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but but from the side of Mizuha, it's like, I think it's pretty safe to say that her just kind of automatic romantic feelings for Fushi are because of the knocker in her 
in your arm because that or mm. if or or may, or maybe Hayase. Hayase's five. You know. That's right. Oh my god. Why I somehow haven't hadn't thought about Hayase's five for like I guess since last time we recorded. It's been a long time. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Oh my yeah yeah you're right because yeah yeah so scratch the thing about the arm or the the knocker. Yes, like she surely has Hayase's fi in her, which has just kind of I, I guess I guess automatically passed on through the generations since mm. those days. Mm-hmm. I, I guess, and mm-hmm. obviously with that she kind of doesn't have a choice in having romantic feelings for Fushi. That's just kind of what she was born with. So I guess in that sense you could call that love a like not completely real love potentially. Mm. And if Fushi would learn real love eventually, then. Maybe he yeah. could somehow talk to Mizuha and make her understand that what she's feeling isn't, I guess, her own feelings or really what love actually is or something like that, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I think it'd be a, a nice twist. Either way, I definitely want Fushi to learn it in this arc eventually. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm i going to say next arc, wherever the arcs shift. Well, next I... <laughs> Well, I mean... Uh, yeah, when I say arc, I meant I meant this part of the story, you know, right? Like this, mm. yeah, time frame. Right. Yeah. And I don't know how long we're gonna be here. We're probably gonna be here a while, but <laughs> I, I would like to see like a short time skip in this era, like four or five years or something like that, kind of like we saw with Gugu and Reen. I, you know, that could be interesting because then you have Sotoru gone. Exactly. Or yeah. Or or maybe like we see the end of him, like we see like the last mm-hmm. months or something of his life. Mm. I th- I think that would be cool. I think that would be needed, honestly. How do, but how? But how do you have a time skip with Mizaha in this state? Like, it, you know, you just go about life, and she's just this psychotic. I don't know. Maybe don't she know. improves a little bit, or maybe she doesn't. Maybe things are just hell for another several years. I don't know. Anyway. Any yeah, um, uh, we were talking about Tsunari. Back to Tsunari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I do think, uh, or, or I appreciate her apologizing. Although I do think Fushi was also at fault for his kind of tactlessness yeah, yeah. situation, you know. But I appreciate Tonati understanding where where Fushi was coming from and uh, reaching out to apologize and whatnot. For sure, and and even even reaching out to help, like yeah, like it, it was much more than just apologizing. And she really made an effort. Like I think didn't she kind of go after him twice in that same scene? I think. Yeah. Uh, so she really showed that she is there for him, and I really yeah, I think that was really nice of her. I loved how she expressed that. She, Fushi is a part of her life. It's an important part of her life. Yes, and I love that. Mm, yeah, it was really good. I mean, honestly, that's that's what love is, and that's not not just Tonari, but Gugu and and Marge and everyone over there. They love mm. Fushi. That's what love is. If yeah. only he could see that. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh no, love is love is selfishness. It's possession. It's uh, <laughs> so what? What do you call it? Yeah, that's that's not your love. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but on 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 like the possession thing and like thinking of others as your property or whatever, I think that that was something that Tonari was also well a, a lesson that she had learned in this volume that Mia Upa and Uroi weren't her property. She expressed that, mm. and kind of on the contrary, Mizuha, or perhaps. The knocker insider. I guess again at this point it's kind of hard to tell sometimes, but but Mizuha slash her knocker have not learned that uh, lesson about Fushi. Like they, yeah. they 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 still think of Fushi as their property. On well, at least to, to some extent. Mm-hmm. But it, it was good to see that Tonari had 
actually learn that lesson uh, in this volume. And it was, I guess, nice to get kind of that perspective on that thing and to see these two very different characters with slightly similar past, I suppose, but like that have got come to two different conclusions, basically. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Tonati's somewhat acting as a foil for Mizuha. Yeah. Not completely, but I think there's definitely those comparisons to be made. Yep. Anything else on Tonari? No. Then moving on to Yuki Aoki. I, I really love Yuki for, for being like so okay with seeming like a fool. Right. <laughs> if, it, if it helps like in his investigation. And like he did he, he did great in this volume. Like he like not uh, only uh, yeah. was it like the mm-hmm. handshake thing was great, how he was able to figure out some stuff by that. But also, like, the earthenware pot revelation was amazing. Like, he did a fantastic job there. Absolutely. Uh, and also, I'm just really happy that we got some more earthenware info now. I know. Like, so oh much, so gosh, far later. Yes. <laughs> I was so, I don't know, like, I, I felt like it was never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Get any, any sort of more information on that. Yeah. But now we're getting a little bit more. And, and I think this opens up the potential that maybe we'll understand better why exactly they have this power. Maybe not, but... Uh, still, it it was a it's a fascinating way to communicate, you know, clutch move by Yuki. Yeah, kind of fell out of nowhere, but you know, you just take it as as, as they come, man. No, I I think it made like the 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 point he made about the the earthenware pot kind of being interesting to him because since we we know since volume thirteen that he has this strong uh, interest in the occult, so I I thought it made sense that he would. Oh like no, to it made sense that, that he would. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It makes sense that he would. It was just, you know, he, he just appears out of nowhere. It's like, oh, oh, I yeah. have the answer to this. It's like, <laughs> where did this come from? <laughs> That's fair. But yes, no, it makes sense that he'd be thinking about that. No, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I think he's proving to be quite capable. Absolutely. And he's he's growing on me at every chapter. I, I, I still want to see a little more maybe character growth from him. Instead of just being a very helpful ally, which he is incredibly helpful, and I and I appreciate mm. appreciate him for that. Yeah. But it would be great to see I don't know him overcome something or um, yeah maybe I don't know it, it may, maybe it comes down to uh, Mizaha and being there for her potentially. But you know that mm. I, I'm not sure where that where that uh, plot thread is going. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, because his character so far has really been a combination of, as you said, like, a helpful ally who, who at least, in, especially in this volume, came with some really good contributions. Yeah. It's like a co- combination of that and, like, a comic relief. Mm-hmm. And and that doesn't hasn't really given us, well, it hasn't really given him too much depth as a character. So I'm really, yeah, right. I, I agree with you that it would be nice to get some more, maybe see him struggle more, like see whatever it, there there is, and I I think there's good opportunity for that regarding his feelings for Mizuha. I just I just don't think yeah. it has been enough explored so far. Right, absolutely. I guess talking about the just the the pot and the communication in general, it you know they have that form to keep the knockers from, and I guess hearing their thoughts <laughs> yeah. or their plans or whatever. Um, so that's, that's great. It does make me wonder again, why can the earthenware people communicate that way? Mm-hmm. Um, why does it have to be that shape? Uh, could it, I mean, what, could you do it with the, the mud ball, you know, like, 
Oh, they make the polished mud ball, and if they are thinking about their thoughts as they do it, oh my god, could there be a message there? I was thinking, like, I, I was wondering if that shiny mud ball would have some kind of relevance in the story moving forward, but I, I couldn't think of anything. But dude, I think that's a really interesting possibility with that. Huh. I think that'd be really cool. Like, it would be kind of a way to bring bring it around. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I really like that. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't really express that to anybody except. The earthenware people, so Echo and her brother's form. Precisely. Um, yeah, so it's not... So I don't know... Mm, yeah. Not mm, how useful that would be. Precisely. But still, I think it's it's like... It's good, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything more on Yuki? No. So, moving on to Hana, then. Obviously, you know, felt so, so sorry for her at the end of this volume. Yeah, gosh. Because, like, being betrayed like that by someone you thought so highly of is just one of the worst feelings in the world. And so I really really felt for her there which is terrible terrible yeah i mean i i I imagine she viewed mizaha as kind of a best friend situation you know yeah i mean Um, possibly she had romantic interests that that she didn't like she didn't want to get in the way i i guess i just want to say that as a possibility uh, even though it's definitely a possibility Mm -hmm. i mean you look back to that one chapter all the way where they're in the infirmary um with the scraped knee or whatever it was Mm. And then they got really, really close at that point. But then yeah. again, that was Mizaha making that move, uh, or maybe it was the knocker. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> did did Mizaha heal magically there? Did do you remember, or was there still? Uh, when when she got to the when Hana got to the. Um, right. I don't think she, I don't think she did. If I recall, I, okay. I think I think it took a while for that to heal, or at least a little longer than, like it didn't heal instantly. At least I don't think. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, maybe it was all Mizuha there. Uh, but mm. anyway, uh, yeah, it, it's hard to say it, it exactly what's going on there. But yeah, um, either way, she definitely respects and I guess has has feelings for Mizuha, at least you know friendship wise. You know what I mean? Yeah, at least and that for sure. That hurt her big time. Yeah. To to hear those terrible things. Yeah. And about her, like, she has been largely in the background, I think, in the last couple volumes. Yeah. But, but with this happening at the end of this volume, I'm really hoping to for, for her role to be, well, to get more focus in volume 17, I think would be really nice. Because she is, well, out of the new characters, I, she is one of my favorite new characters. It's just that she, she had, well, she got a pretty good role in the volume 13, but in 14 and 15, she didn't have too much. And not in, in this one either. So I'm really hoping to see more of her again in 17. I agree. I just think that her and, and Yuki could use more, but I, I you know, I'm thinking particularly Hana, especially where it left off. It just it would it would be nice to see just more of her character and maybe how or at least the conclusion to this. I'm sure we will. Like I, yeah. I don't think she's going to leave it just hanging like that, but Oh no. I, I really um, hope not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, mm. I guess it just comes down to well, it comes down to will they be able to build back their relationship and yeah. then also, is there any romantic feelings from from Hana, or even Yuzuha? Mm. Like, what exactly is up with all that? Right. You know. Exactly. So. Yeah, we need answers. Mm-hmm. But should we move on to Mimori next? Yeah. Turns out her life pretty much returned to the way it was before the knocker took yeah. over her life. Mm-hmm. Um, like both at both at school and at home. Mm. But she, you know, she she has become strong enough to endure through that, and 
like obviously it is incredibly sad, but she really is strong, and like especially for that age, um, and and like for <laughs> that face she makes, yeah, <laughs> oh, you're really strong. She's like, mm, yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, oh, she's so cute, and uh, and like yeah, for, for Fushi to kind of almost see her as a role model in that sense, like yeah, just viewing her as such a strong person. I think that was really awesome. I loved how she said. I used the knockers for my benefit and, you know, I used them and I won, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great way to kind of look at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I granted, I, I don't want it to ever be taken that, you know, killing yourself is the right way to go. Cause no, no. you know, it, this is fantasy. Like it's not, you're not coming back from that. Nope. But I, I do like the mindset that, uh, in this world, you, you take, the kind of tragedy that is the, the knockers infesting your body and you use it for your gain eventually. So maybe right. there, maybe, maybe that will, well, either it could change Fushi's perspective on the whole situation, or maybe that's something that he can help other people like, you know, their fi hmm. help understand or something. I, I'm not exa- entirely sure, but I, I did like that message. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, are you having fun? He's like, I'm going to make it fun. He's like, yeah! Yeah, you go, Mimuri. <laughs> yeah, what a sweet child. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would love for her and March to be introduced to each other. Oh, that'd be sweet, yeah. I think they would get along. Yeah. Uh, anyway, is that it on her? Yep. Then a little bit on Satoru, the Beholder. So, turns out that he can defeat Knockers. Why you always be lying? Yeah. <laughs> Why you always be lying? And, like, really well, too. Like, super efficiently, he just, like, turn her into a flower yeah. and pull the core out. Like, set it on fire. <laughs> like, what? Uh, well, Fushi will be able to do that eventually, too. But... And I, I guess, is this just another test for Fushi? Like, you know, telling him that he can't do it? Yeah. And then just helping him learn that eventually? Like, what's the whole point of it? I you wonder. Hmm. Yeah, he is shrouded in mystery, that guy, still. Even when he's trying to become human, there's <laughs> still a lot of mysterious things. Absolutely. It was either Bon or Yuki who mentioned that they weren't sure if Beholder was telling the truth uh, about not being able to stop the knockers. If I remember correctly, like they were in a diner one time and they said that. I see. Yeah, I don't remember that right now, but you absolutely might be right. I could be mis- It's been a few months <laughs> since mm, I read that. It has. So I could be misremembered. <laughs> However, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, if that was the case, I do think that they were on point. Like, it's clear that he can stop them. Mm. And I guess his reasoning is, why bother? Like, you know, it, some people's lives are better with the, the knockers doing that. And, and I guess it could just all be to goad fushi into making a decision and growing and maybe that's why he's allowing it just to happen like this Mm. um but it is interesting that despite having that power he just kind of keeps silent until he absolutely needs to use it yeah and i also wonder how much effort fushi's going to put in to try to get the uh, satoru to actually fight with him Mm. i wonder like to what extent is that going to happen I, yeah. I, I could see, I think there was one, 
I think line where Fushi in this volume said like, you, "Oh, you you you're gonna fight with us now." Like after having seen that, <laughs> uh, or something along those lines at least. So I wonder if he's gonna continue kind of pushing for that at all. <laughs> Maybe, hmm. but you do see that he's kind of becoming more human uh, yeah. as mm-hmm. it goes on. Because usually you you wouldn't think that he'd be afraid of some thunder, mm. but he kind of has a little little shudder. Yeah. Uh, there that was sweet so yeah i guess as the months go by he'll become more and more human yeah I, I, exactly and if that's the case if there is like a time skip to four or so years in the future like shortly before he's going to i guess could become a human completely how much more human is he going to be at that point right so like and, and like with that in mind it's probably not going to be like a like a switch being flipped like or like in for him when he becomes a human eventually yeah it's like he's gonna kind of gradually become more human maybe it's gradually he loses his powers and then eventually he loses all memory of that previous life right yeah exactly about his memories he hadn't he didn't seem to remember having told fushi that he couldn't defeat knockers so i wonder if he's already started to lose some memories of his beholder good point life Hmm. Good point. Yeah, I, I didn't think of it in that way before now, but yeah, that's... Hmm. The pieces are falling together. <laughs> anything more on him? No. Then I don't have anything else on any other characters, but if you have anything, uh, go for it. Just three things about three different characters is the thing. Yes. Um, Samika, funny girl. Mm-hmm. Nothing more at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, she provides some, I guess, some good sweet moment. And she's she's kind of... Gives us our glimpse at more wholesome Saltori. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. Bone, great support as always. Mm-hmm. Seems to be the only person that Fushi can ask for advice. I guess it's been this way for a while, but. Yeah. You know, I hope Fushi gets to the point where he's talking to all of his friends and not just Bone. I know yeah. Bone is very useful because he can talk to the five, but. Right. Yeah. It, it would be nice to spread the love a little bit. Absolutely. Still, <laughs> very glad Bone's there. Yeah. Um, very helpful. Mm. Then Aiko, I, <laughs> this child might as well be an adult already. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, how is she's out there picking, she's so great. picking trash. <laughs> like, this is my time to volunteer. Like, <laughs> uh, she's going to become like the next, uh, prime minister, prime minister of Japan yeah. or like something like that. <laughs> oh, I could totally see it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love her. <laughs> That's all I got. Cool. Cool. Then, yeah, that's all on all of the characters for from this volume. Great talking about Two Eternity again, first of all, I just want to say. But also, let's talk about any predictions that we might have for Volume 17. I think maybe it's obvious, but he'll go back to the house where his friends are and, and mm. maybe see how they're doing with their lives. I don't know from there. I, I, I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen. Like, for example, with uh, Hana and... Um, Mizaha, are they mm. gonna make up in some way or make out or one <laughs> <laughs> or the other <laughs> <laughs> or you know just gonna continue to drift apart i don't know yeah, yeah you know where does Mizaha go from here i guess you could say because mm. she seems to be at a pretty low point i mean you would think killing her mother would be the lowest point but this is this is a uh-huh. this is a pretty low point and technically she didn't do that no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, this is a very 
kind of desperate moment for her. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to guess that this arc is going to be as long as... I guess you could say, if, if, if you look at it like bigger arcs, there were like the first six volumes were te- technically were kind of one arc-ish, you could, t- you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the Hayase and Pioran arc, because that's when they were around. Yeah. And then the f- next, the books, the six books after that, going up to 12, was like the Kahaku and Bon arcs, or like arc. And so I, I could see this being another six book thing, which means there would be two more books left of this, I guess, part of the story perhaps mm-hmm. and with that in mind we are getting kind of close to the end of it like just like the next book is going to be or would in that case be the second to last one and so i, I think it makes sense for this to be like kind of a low point right here uh, and it definitely is or feels that way uh but i, I also agree you know fushi's going to go back home and i i'm gonna definitely hope that he's gonna actually reach out to his friends and talk to his friends about everything that he's been going through once he gets home, maybe not immediately, but I think in the next volume, at least he's going to finally do that. Or at least that's what I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he was, he, he seemed to be in like much higher spirits kind of at the very end of this book when he, when he went home or when he started to go home. Right. So it seems optimistic. I agree. Mm. <laughs> I don't have anything else on predictions. Aside from the things we've kind of spread out throughout the discussion, it's, it's hard to say where we go from here. I mean, Maybe I said that last time as well, but, you know, e- even the whole love concept, I'm not exactly sure where it goes right now. And that's the thing. Like, it definitely feels we're in a more of a psychological warfare slice of life type of a, type of thing. And mm. I don't know. I kind of find those hard to predict sometimes. Absolutely. Um, mm. Aside from, I guess, a few story points. But yeah. right now, yeah, it's definitely kind of up in the air. For sure, yeah, because it's not like just be the strongest in the battle and win. Like, it's not that easy. Right. It's much more kind of in the mind and uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that makes it makes it a lot harder. Well, not only for the characters, but also for us to, to predict it. And, and there's quite a few characters here to focus on, so... True. You know, where does it... Yeah, where does it go? Where does the focus lie? Right, yeah, like characters that haven't gotten as much, like we talked about Hana and Yuki, really hope to see much more... For them, right. I obviously I don't want them to necessarily take away from other characters because of that, but I I I I do think that, especially now that Hana's story is much even more kind of connected to Mizuha's, I, I'd say, or at least in a different way, it's connected to, to Mizuha now. Uh, I think there's a good chance that we can get content on both of them kind of simultaneously, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'll ask: Do you think the story will end, or this arc could potentially end? with Mizuha's death. Do you think that not just potentially like is it a you know just destined to die eventually? Like like prematurely, you mean? Prematurely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a really hard question. <laughs> I hope not because I think or well if she I'm I'm going to say this. If she dies prematurely, it's not going to be suicide. It's going to be something else. Oh yeah. I agree with that. I'm, I'm going to say she will not die from suicide, but there's still maybe a chance that she might die in some other way. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to go, she being the author, is going to go away from the death cycle for this, uh, for the Hayase if, if, clan, I guess, <laughs> you know, the descendants of Hayase. I think that, at least after Kahaku, I think that left such an impactful moment mm. that with Mizaha, we'll see her change eventually and 
I guess, have her closure, come to grips mm. with reality. And then the knockers will try everything they can to kill her for whatever reason. But I think she will make it in the end and then be able to live the life that she is hopefully uh, okay with, happy with. Mm. Yeah, I really hope so. I really, really hope so. And I get—I I mean, I, I guess I am hoping that, but I, I also feel like that's the direction the story will be going, although we are very much in dire straits right now. <laughs> True. But I, I do think that that's the way the story will go. Yeah. Then again, this is the story that killed off main characters, like, you know, every other volume for a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure is. Uh, yeah, but yes. I think that's it for this week, though. We have we don't always uh, talk about this in our episodes, but we have a Discord server where we're, uh, you know an open Discord server in the video description on YouTube where anyone can join. We can talk more about To Your Eternity and any other manga that we want to talk about. We well probably mostly the manga that we talk cover on the podcast, but we, we definitely talk about pretty much anything weeby on there. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's been great actually. Recently, it's been growing, and we've had some really good discussions on there. So please join us there. And if you enjoy our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga. And it would be lovely if you'd like to support us by either rating our show on the podcast platforms or subscribing to our channel, Umami Manga, on YouTube. If you like this episode, please share it with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time where we'll talk about Volume 17. Bye-bye. See you later. Nice shot. Nice on. You got a spare. Oh, man. Those were the days. Good times. Good times.